Saints and Aids. How what, art thou? What up with y'all? Um, how's your day? I'm tired. Why? Because I've been up every night writing. Doing, writing. Writing what? I'm writing the book. About what? About evangelism and stuff, man. Tell us more. No, I want I want to I want to save it for the people. I mean, this is kind of how you start to stir up energy so that when you drop your pre-order link, they will click it. Oh, okay. So yeah, I'm writing a book about evangelism, about <laughs> engaging with the world. <laughs> okay. Engaging with the world around you and uh basically trying to teach people how to uh, give the gospel with gentleness and respect because we have a lot of people out here giving the gospel nowadays, but they're just jerks about it. Got it. Um, but also the book is to teach people how to be bold in their faith um, and be courageous while at the same time being being wise. And, um, and it's also like a slash, you know, slash memoir of my story too. So how, how I became an evangelist. That's sweet I because I bet... When you was robbing people, <laughs> you did not see this part of your story. No, you, you I, didn't. You didn't think, "Oh man, I'm robbing today and I'm writing tomorrow." You no, didn't. You didn't see that. No. Well, your latter end was greater. Yeah. So one, I never stuck up anybody. I just breaking houses a lot. So I just want to make that clear. I know that's the that's the. I wasn't of two raised evils. in such a way where we distinguish between different types of robberies. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Because you said it like it was a, like a lesser. No, nah, but to be to be honest, I, I never imagined my life being any of this. I never thought I would be married. I never thought I would have children. And so, you know, that's just what happens. What happens when, you know, God gets to a life, you know what I'm saying? He, he changes, changes us. Before we dig into this, this conversation on boldness, courage, and evangelism and ministry, I think even in relationships, that might also be helpful to apply boldness to that. Yeah. The question is, what what has been the most, what has been the hardest part of your writing process? Because oh, man. I think when I have conversations with people who are authors, I think people underestimate how difficult writing a, a book, well, how difficult writing a good book is. I think it's very easy to write something that's actually not good. You just put, put sentences down. Let but. me tell you. I think we did a, a podcast years ago about writer's block or something like that. Maybe. Uh, I, I can't remember. But, man, I, I, I think I told somebody on, I was going to say Twitter, but Thread. It's called Thread, right? <laughs> Thread. <laughs> I think I told somebody Threads uh, yesterday. That I like literally, no, it was um, the dude from, uh, yeah, that singer or whatever. I really, it, I had a pity party in the office one day. I was like, Lord, I thought I was a writer. Like, I literally cannot write. I think being a spoken word artist for so long has taught you how to communicate a lot in a little. Right. Right. And so essentially what I did, you know, for five years touring, doing poetry was I was writing, you know, five minute sermons. In, in, in poems and so when I had to write long periods of time like it's it just it, it's just different you know what I'm saying so like a lot of times you just don't feel like you have nothing else to say yeah it's just like this is this is tough and so um, and then you know my ADHD it's not set up for like writing a book and yeah. so that that worked against me and so like it was just a lot of a lot of obstacles that I had to get over writing the book yeah yeah I think uh, when it comes to writing and this is just a pivot to encourage writers out there. Like, I think you have to understand the art of writing is like dance. And dance has different forms, different expressions, right? And so mm -hmm. you have ballet, you have hip-hop, you have classical. You might be really good at ballet. Yes. That don't mean you're good at hip-hop. Because, right? I, yeah, that's so good because I thought, you know— 
man, I'm a writer. So the transition from being a poet to a book writer is might be. Yeah, you were a creative writer. I was a creative writer. And so my so my editor is like, oh my gosh, that sentence was so great, but we need 90 more of them. (laughs) And I'm like, I I said, I said what I wanted to say though. And I started to get frustrated. And my first editor, he really was encouraging me to be like, no, like. This is a different muscle that you have to have to have to work, mm-hmm. and so um, it was it was tough at first, but I, I didn't came around. God has been well. That's good. A bullet point: um, I don't think all of y'all should write books. Personally, wow. Um, why you say that? I mean, the honesty just shot from your mouth <laughs> like a cannon. <laughs> I don't think that's don't for think... everybody. I don't think that's for everybody. Why? Why do you say that? I don't think everybody's good at it. And, and but I think we we have this kind of capitalistic system uh, called you know uh, church resources and church ministry where we give advances and book deals to people who have uh, fame and notoriety and a face that may be an interesting story but don't actually have the skill of writing. Yeah. Um. And so I, I think if the Lord has called you to do it, I'm not going to push it back against what God is calling someone to do just because you might not have the skill set. But I, I also feel like sometimes we are publishing books and people are not finishing the book, not because they don't like reading, but because they don't like reading you. Yeah. And so I think even just stewarding our our excellence, sometimes we're putting energy in places that we were never even made to put energy into. So that might actually be really discouraging. But it's just like with James. He says, like, not many of you should be teachers. Teaching is a very good thing, but not everybody should do it. Well, let me ask you this, though, because it's different. I mean, for us... Um, I don't think our publishers would have wanted anybody else to write our books because people people have heard our voices with our particular writing for so many years. And so somebody can read um, a book written by me and they can tell if somebody else wrote it because they heard my poetry for so long. Right. But it, most people are not even writing their books in the first place. And so Correct. if you have a person who does have, you know... That's fine. Uh, get assistance. Get assistance. You, you You're know, just saying not write, don't write your book yourself if you don't have the gift of writing. No, I'm simply saying not everybody should write if they are not called to it or skilled to do it. Yeah. And if you are not skilled to do it, then you can outsource people who can for you. That's, Even Paul had a scribe. Yeah. Okay. Romans was communicated verbally and he had a scribe to write it down. That's so good. it's all right to hire somebody to make it sound pretty. All I'm saying is just because you're popular, just because you're famous, just because you told a really cool story twice on a stage somewhere <laughs> in somebody's <laughs> church in Houston, Texas, that does not mean that you should be writing books. Maybe a blog, maybe a blog, maybe a couple reels, right? Maybe a podcast, but a book. Mm. Anyway, that has nothing to do with our, our intros. Today. Never have nothing to do with the topic. I just I got stirred up because mm. that's because I told publishers this, so this ain't nothing I ain't said. I had a I had an event where I had to talk to all of the Christian publisher, like the 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 big wigs in the Christian publishing industry, and my whole speech was y'all are giving books to people with platforms when there are plenty of people that we do not know that are in their local churches being faithful with more wisdom, mm. but you don't see them because they got five hundred followers. That's right? good. So That's some, good. Some some got because so I because I, 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 I would assume that the publishing industry is different now because 
social media. Social media Correct. has changed a lot of things. I, th- I think when we were growing up in the 90s, I think publishers look for creativity, look for um, people with 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 wisdom, look for people with good insight that who had great writing ability. Now it's like, now who can we find, you know, with the biggest platform and how can we try to create something that will sell? Right. So We might as well turn this conversation into a conversation about writing since we're here. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, I mean, we we 12 minutes in, so we might as well just, you know. So what is writer's block? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what What is writer's block for you? What does that look like? For me, writer's block is different, right? Because for me, writing poetry and writing books is two two totally different things. But I don't necessarily believe in writer's block as uh, as more than I mean uh, what, what am I trying to say? I don't believe in writer's block per se. I, I, I do believe sometimes you might be writing and you might not have nothing to say. But a lot of times you don't have nothing to say because you haven't worked the muscle yet, right? For me, when I, when I, I can sit down and write a poem right now. It, won't, it probably won't be the best poem, but I've worked that muscle of writing poetry where I can write something. And I, so I think a lot of times people say, I have writer's block because they can't write something that they feel like it's great. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but if you can't write at all, it's probably because you haven't worked that muscle. Writing is a muscle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so like, I, don't, I don't even know if that makes sense. And so I have I think uh, when I first started writing my, my book, um, I was like, yo, I can't write like I write a poem. Right. Um, and that's because I haven't worked that muscle of a, as a book writer yet. Mm-hmm. But now I'm I'm getting better and better and better at it. Mm-hmm. And so this writing block kind of doesn't exist yeah. per se. And so I think it's the difference between not being able to write something good and not being able to write at all. Yeah, so distinguishing between like sometimes it's it's not your inability to put something on the page. It's simply I lost my train of thought. What you say? Yeah, I think it's a, <laughs> I think it's the difference between not being able to write at all uh-huh. and not being able to write something. Oh good. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a difference between not being able to put something on the page and putting something on the page, but it's not perfect enough for you. Absolutely. So really, the issue isn't writer's block; it's perfectionism. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's what I was. Trying I, to get I think at. that's what most people think when they when they when they say I have writer's block. It's mm-hmm. like no, nah, it's like you just haven't worked that muscle. It's like when you go to the gym your muscles give out not because you have weightlifting block. It's right. just that muscle isn't strong yet. Right. And so, you know, I, I think that it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a muscle that we have to develop. Yeah, I've kind of uh, seen that there are different things at play in so-called writer's block. I think perfectionism is definitely one. I think another category is also ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that when I'm working on a sermon or when I was writing my books is that when I would get to a point where I had nothing else to say, sometimes it was because I didn't know enough yet to say it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes what you're coming against, again, is not writer's block, is that you need to study more mm-hmm. and learn more because you have more content. When you when you think about people who have PhDs, for example, yeah. a, a dissertation is like 50,000 words, max or minimum, I'm not sure. That's a lot of words on one very niche, defined subject, but they have those words because they've studied four, five, six, seven years for it. Right. And so I think if we apply that same kind of like diligence to our writing process, I think you'll see that you have more than enough to say once you get it in your brain. Let me ask you this question. Um, Gay Girl, Good God was a very well-written book. Thanks. And I think your poetic 
saw it really shine through that book. I know when I first started writing my book, uh, it seems like my editors was like, okay, Preston, we don't need four metaphors in one sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, or even when I write lines like the hum of morning was quiet. It's like, no, you could just kind of say the morning was quiet. <laughs> it's like, no, I like I like the word the hum, hum yes. <laughs> right? Um, and so like, what is the balance between creating um, a book that is theological in nature while at the same time allowing creativity to shine and at the same time not allowing your creativity to hinder what you're trying to communicate. I think that's the main point is that you got to learn the discipline of scratching your creative itch while at the same time being committed to clarity. Yeah. Because sometimes we can be so creative, creative that the only person that understood what we were saying was us. Yeah. And so if you're a teacher, then your aim is education and information. Yeah. And so it can't just be for me to scratch my little creativity. So I think I think I've just found the balance of and I think editors help with this. If even if you don't have an editor, having a friend who can say, I don't know what you're saying. I don't get what that means. What are you trying to communicate? What am I supposed to walk away with that? Yeah. And I think when you have those kinds of conversations, was another issue I think we have that connects to this one is we want to create without community. And that's mm-hmm. actually not how we're built. Even the triune God was a community when he created. Yeah, and yeah. so I think applying even how God expresses his creativity should apply to how we express our creativity. And so don't be afraid to invite other people into your process. So if you know that your bent is to shroud meaning because you want to be so cute and creative in your sentences, then bring in a friend that's more logical, yeah. more plain, and they'll be able to counteract that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of times we don't bring people into our creative process process because our creativity is it means so much to us it's we're like, an well, artist and we're sensitive about, about our, our, our dishes <laughs> <laughs> about our stuff you know what i'm saying but that was the beauty of traveling with you and our friends who are amazing spoken word poets i mean we were able to just feed off one another so well and our chemistry was so well mm-hmm. and when i wrote a line jeanette was like that's too much and i would you know, i would tell jeanette like jeanette you don't need to put that metaphor right there. And, and so that was just really, really, you know, good. But I, I I have to be honest though, when I start writing this book and I'm having, it, it was, it was, it was a different, it's a different thing when you have non-creatives critiquing your work. Mm-hmm. Because for so long I had nothing but creative artists kind of saying, oh, that metaphor was too much. Or oh, you can, you can, you can go harder right there. But it's kind of like, man, like what is the, I, I guess you, for somebody who is a creative who started to to edit, did you ever like, did you ever have a problem with somebody who wasn't creative trying to tame your creativity? Mm-hmm. Uh because I know that for me, it's kind of like, oh, you just, you're not a poet. That's the reason why you do, you can't appreciate this. Yes. So I remember I had a line in Gay Girl, Good God, where I was describing when my mother found out that I was gay. And I was kind of uh, trying to communicate this scene of uh, the grief that she probably was carrying. Yeah. Um, and the grief being attached to the fact that she probably wouldn't see her her daughter walk down the aisle one day, which now is like... God's kindness. But I said, I wondered how gray it would make her. Mm. And what it, what I was trying to communicate was sadness, lament, grief, right? In, in the form of a color. And my editor, he scratched that out and he put sad. 
and I scratched out sad and put back gray because <laughs> I, that's what I wanted to say. Like, because yeah. there's when you put when you put gray instead of sad, sad is so uh, so specific that it leaves no room for the imagination. So yeah. gray, you you actually kind of feel that gray yeah. can it, it's so ambiguous that it can so so yes, but at the same time. I was willing to push back because I was confident in what I was saying. Yeah. And I think sometimes when you have people speaking into your work, you do have to have a level of humility to receive when they're critiquing you and when their critique is legitimate. Yet at the same time, they cannot critique you so much that you lose your voice. Yeah. And I just refuse to let that's you the, that. That's the, that's the balance because I think one thing that I'm learning um, from my editors because uh, I've had a couple, uh, is they 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 help me find this this balance that I need as a as a book writer because that 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 word gray opposed to being sad like for me as a creative it it invokes an emotion that yeah. sad just doesn't you know when we like when you think about gray it's like you I, for me I feel something yeah. sad I think about something and it's uh, a difference that's good and so I think that's what creative writing does creative writing um uses language in a way and manipulates language in a way that does that just doesn't allow you to understand but see in a, in a particular type of way. But I also think that creatives need people who are non-creatives to kind of reel them back in to kind of balance things out. And I think with something that's balanced, especially when it's teaching, mm-hmm. I think it can be, I think it can be great. And so that's what I had to learn as a, as a, as a book writer. It's like, oh, there is a balance that I need to have. It is. Um, yeah, it's the editing process, the criticism that grows you as a writer. You know, you just, you got to have people outside of yourself who don't think like you, who who don't have the life experience. Because there's even, uh, how can I say it? There's even a way to approach content, not even sentence construction, but the 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 content also needs help from an outside place. So for example, I had, how do I, how can I be vague? I had a situation where someone was partnering with me on a ministry thing and they sent me their manuscript beforehand and it was related to the subject of women and pregnancy and they were communicating about pregnancy in the in 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 it being God's blessing and mm-hmm. God's sovereign hand over the womb which is true but I was like I you have to have some type of caveat for the women in the room who are infertile and who have miscarried or do not have children because what they what they will hear is I'm not blessed right mm. but that's that's because of my experience in women's ministry that I'm able to look at her content and see how it will land on somebody that's good. and so I I think like even when it comes to like what you've written, have there been times where you've written something where the content becomes wiser because mm-hmm. of somebody else's? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, because uh, I think, I think th- this is no shade. I love spoken word poetry. This, so this is no shade to spoken word poetry. But I think a lot. I think I think in in one way, it's amazing how we can construct a five minute poem and say so much. Mm-hmm. But I think writing the book kind of show me how how a lot of poetry at times lacks depth. What do you mean? Because like, somebody would think that poetry is the deepest form of writing that exists. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but but I think true depth is unpacking. Okay. Like, like in, in some ways, I, I hope this makes sense because I think 
the, the topics are deep, but it's so much more that we can say. It's so much more that we can, that we can unpack. And so like, for example, my first chapter was about my life. And, you know, I talked about, you know, my, 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 my childhood and I would, I would say things that I would, I would construct sentences like, you know, when dusk finally grew legs and chased us home, we would head inside to bathe in my grandmother's smile. So for me, what, what what these sentences did, it gave you a picture. And I feel like that's all the audience needed. But when my editor started to ask me questions like, what about your grandmother? Mm-hmm. Why was your grandmother smile mm-hmm. something to bathe in? Why, what, like when dusk finally grew legs and chased y'all home, like what did you do? Like, mm-hmm. and it showed me like in my poetry, I'm, I'm probably saying, um, I'm probably giving you a picture by using deep metaphors or creative, beautiful language, mm-hmm. but it's so much more that I can say to, mm-hmm. to, to build yeah. upon it. Right. And so I think for me, what, what, a good editor did was to show me that like, man, like you probably can create these creative lines because you're not saying a lot. Mm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. But it becomes harder when you have to say and unpack a lot. And it's so much wisdom to give even after this line is created. It's so much to even unpack when that line is said. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so for me, it was kind of like, that's when it became hard. I write a line and then when somebody, my editor start to pick apart that line and say, okay, there's so much you can say from this one line. It's like, well, I don't have nothing else to say. And, and I, I think I think it's helpful to, to point out that you can get away with skipping over all of the details in a poem because it's not meant to be that expansive yeah, or that, absolutely. That, that broad, right? It's a short form piece of art yes. versus a book. And I say that because I also remember like when I first started doing poetry a long time ago, I had this friend and she would do, she would get up at these open mics and do these poems that were a solid 12 minutes. Bruh. Solid. And she wasn't the best writer. So it was like, she I think wasn't. I heard you talking about. She wasn't. But they was a cool 15. She wasn't Sheesh. a bad writer, but it was like, I was listening to a monologue and I pulled her to the side. I said, hey, sis, I think you're giving us blogs and you're just performing it like a poem, right? And so <laughs> I say that because somebody could take what you say and be like, oh, I just got to be deeper. I just got to write more. And it's like, no, 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 no. no. We don't want a 15-minute poem. No, 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 no. Write that in a book if you're going to do that. Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Still give us Facts. under five Yeah, yeah. because the attention span, you have to be such an excellent rhetorical communicator to keep somebody's ten- attention past two minutes. Yeah. So when you start itching in the five and then the 10 and then the 15, you is, is giving narcissists. You must think <laughs> you are Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> you don't have those orator- oratorical skills. Random question. Do you miss those spoken word days? At all? They were fun. I'm talking about. I'm talking about like before we were married, like when we was I broke. I miss the spontan- spontaneity of it. I miss the vibe. So like the whole getting up in front of people that don't know who you are, and you just you just performing this poem to the best of your ability. Because I know remember what I'm we used people to, yelling at you in a good way. Those, like those times when we used to go to secular open mics and spit. 
as Christians, I was very proud of those moments no. because but, we went into some places where they would have choked, chewed us up if we weren't good. And I was like, you know, this is dope that Christians can come in here and hold their own. Honestly, I'm I'm grateful uh, for those experiences because everything about being a poet and everything about being a poet on a stage and everything about being a poet on a stage in front of different audiences has completely informed my preaching. Uh, in like, what way? In every way, the the like the power of inflection, for mm-hmm. example, like doing poetry, I realized that, you know, you have you sometimes have poets that feel like they you can get people's attention by raising your volume. So they're loud the whole time. Mm-hmm. When I, I realized that you can actually get people's attention by speaking like him, like just being at a really like I'm down here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because a, a, a whisper God can created, yell. Yeah, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so people are leaning in to hear you and then you bring them up and you bring them down. Like you you use your your voice to 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 create this kind of uh, dance and, and roller coaster. And it isn't to, some people can use that to manipulate you towards evil ends. My goal is to... Uh, to take advantage of the emotions to draw you near to God. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think the psalmists are doing anything different. You yeah. have Lamentations 3 who begins with like, God has did this to me and he is treating me like a bear and da 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 and just going in on the nature of God. And so your heart rate is up and it feels aggressive. It feels like the beginning of a drama movie and then he slows you down and say, but he, he does not, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like there's an art to preaching that I learned by preaching and poetry. Yeah. And so that's good. That's yeah. good because what you're basically saying is like, it's like a roller coaster. Like, if you was on a roller coaster and all you was doing is just experiencing drop after drop after drop and you had no anticipation of being slowly brought up, yeah. it kind of takes away from the experience. It's like when we. But if you going fast and then going slow, it's kind of like. It just makes experience better. When we talked about the, 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 one of the preachers at our old church, how he would just stay up here the whole time. And he wasn't even yelling. It was like loud talking. I was kind of yelling at us. Stop yelling at me, bro. But it's something about the monotony, redundancy of it that actually your brain starts to tune it out. And so now you're doing a disservice to your message because you're not honoring the people in front of you, right? And so even paying attention to, oh, I'm losing them because I'm not engaging them even vocally. And I learned that doing poetry. I remember when I was a part of uh, the church we met at and one of the most... Helpful. You saw how I stopped and it drew you in. Uh, one of the <laughs> one of the most helpful things I learned was our pastor at the time. We were part of this poetry team, and the poetry team was in one section of the church, and they had Bible study happening in the main sanctuary of the church. And the Bible study was uh, a bunch of couches in circles. It wasn't like pews and chairs and stuff like that. And so he he had us write a, a, a little poem, and it was probably like a two minute thirty second poem. And he was like, all right, so what we're going to do now is we're going to go, uh, we're going to go uh, and perform this poem in front of everybody in the Bible study class. What we didn't know is that he had told everybody in the Bible study class not to look at us, not to pay attention to us, to be on their phones, to be talking to one another, to be giving us ugly faces. Dang. And he told us ahead of time, he was like, I don't care what anybody in that room does, you perform your heart out. 
Do you understand how weird and awkward it is to be performing with all of your energy and people are acting like you're invisible? But what that did for me is now when I preach, I don't care what you have to say. I don't care if you disagree. Like I'm going to give all of my energy regardless of the responses of the people. And you learn that when you do poetry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's dope. That's a that's a that's actually a really great exercise. But also too, like what what poetry has has taught me is, you know, when I first started doing poetry, I I kind of did that. Like you did what? Like yelled the whole time <laughs> because in my mind I thought yelling is how you get people's attention, uh-huh. right? I never thought. And sometimes you got if you outside you got to yell. Yeah, if you're on the mic, you know. Yeah, yeah, but 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 what changing your 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 tone and your cadence is up? It, it literally like like you just did it. <laughs> like when you got softer, like you caught my attention in a, in a different way, mm-hmm. and I had to learn that. And so what you're basically trying to say is everybody who teaches should take a poetry course. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. But I am saying that the Lord can you if you are in an arena that feels different than the arena you're in now, the same skills you learned in that one can be applied in this one. That's Got what it. I mean. Got it. And so if you worked at Wendy's before, it don't mean that when you get to a church that there aren't there there's always little nuggets and tips that we can pull from everything that God is, has uh placed us in. That makes sense. I will say uh another part of Writers Brock, and we said this before that we have to acknowledge is that sometimes also it's not writer's block. It's the Holy Spirit is creating space for humility. Yeah. When I say that, what comes to your mind? That's true. Because I was humbled when I first started writing my book. Mm -hmm. Um, Because like I I said, I thought that... um, the transition would be easy from poetry to to writing a book. And I was like, why can't I do this? Uh, it wasn't just me kind of experiencing a new form of art, uh, writing or whatever. It was also the Lord really wanted me to depend on him in a way that I hadn't depended on him before. Mm-hmm. And so God was kind of kind of like challenging me to, to say, Preston, when you come in this office, I want you to seek me. Like, And also too, I, I've given you this gift of poetry and you've done it, kind of on your own for so long, you kind of forgot, you yeah. know, that I'm the one who yeah. gave you this gift. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I, I really had to start praying. And when I start praying and start seeking the Lord, I feel like the Lord allow, allow me to, to think more clearly, to, to, to look at things with, from a different perspective. And I stopped having a pity party. And when I stopped <laughs> having a pity party, I, I started to grow, you know uh-huh. what I'm saying? By the, by the, by the grace of God. And so I really think God just wants us to depend on him. Yeah. And a lot of times when you have writer's block or, or when you cannot write, I don't even want to call this writer's block, when you, when you can't write, I think you need to pause and ask yourself, like, man, am I truly seeking the Lord? Mm. Is, is this even the time for me to write this? Mm. Because God wants you to write things in his timing as well. Mm. You That's know what I'm good. saying? And so for a, a lot of times when I, like, I, I, I think we told this on a podcast before, but we were friends when you came up with the idea for us to write the poem in the fall. Mm-hmm. And you literally took a mega bus from St. Louis to Chicago so we can write the, the poem in the fall. And we were, this was in our prime of like writing poetry. We right. was writing poems all the time. And you came out there and we couldn't write it. No, we could not. I, I was like, why can't we write this poem? And we didn't know that God wanted us married when yeah. we wrote that poem. And yeah. so we wrote that poem the first year of our marriage because it just wasn't God's time yet. Right, that's good. Um, and so I think that a lot of times when we can't write, it's not because we suck at writing. It's just God doesn't want that to be produced at that, yeah. that time. And I want to just affirm 
that if God is hindering you from being able to write or create, it is because he has something better to give you um, apart from your own flesh. What I mean is, Mm. I think if you have a particular skill set, we could do really good by ourselves. Like we could do great things by ourselves, but imagine when God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of all beauty, comes alongside you and blesses what you do. Yeah. That takes it up a whole nother notch. And I say that because sometimes we look at humility and we look like God hindering something as God punishing us or God trying to hold us back. But he's actually trying to create space for you to do something better. Yeah. Something more lasting, something more worthwhile. And he's also protecting your heart. Yeah. Because I, I know for me, I am convinced that my sermon, because sermon sermon writing is a part of this conversation too, honestly. But I'm convinced that the sermons I create, the books I write, the Bible studies I write, because it's been such a hard dance with the Holy Spirit, I know he blessed me. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm saying? Like, I, I know he blessed my yeah. imagination for me to create. Like, there would be times where the sentences would flow in such a way where I knew it wasn't me. Yeah, I that's knew good. it wasn't me. And so what it does is it puts it puts me in a position, even in this moment, who am I giving glory to? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I'm not even boasting in myself because I can't. Yeah, and, that, and, that's, and, and that's the humbling thing. It's the humbling thing, but the, the thing that's the most that humbles you the most is actually what you need the most because what you're essentially saying is a lot of times we want to do things and God is saying no it's it's going to be way better if you do it with me yes if I do it with you yes. you know what I'm saying and so like I went from you know writing this book and it's like okay Preston you, 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 you've been writing for a long time, but you haven't been writing like this. You need to allow me to walk with you. Yes. Right. And so my hand will be on it. And that's when we actually, you know, start flowing when the, when the Holy Spirit takes control. And so, yes. like, yeah, yeah. Because we, were, we be, we, I think we, we call God creator and we forget he's creative. Yeah. What, 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 what does it even mean to be creative? It means to take something and make something out of nothing. That's yeah. what he did, right? Facts. Like a poem is I am taking letters and forming them into words and making sentences and beautiful metaphors out of them. I have created something mm. from nothing. If that ain't what he's good at. Yeah. That's, that's, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like if, if we do need, all of we need inspiration from all the people, but like the Holy, like even, even you being a Christian is a creative act of the Holy Spirit. He created in you mm-hmm. a new heart and yeah. gave you a new redefined, reorganized, reoriented spirit. That, that's like good. that's, that's his personality. That's good. Is to create. That's real and good. And so like, I, I, I think when we start to actually trust God to come alongside all of our, our creative endeavors, we will discover a side of our ability and our creativity that we never even tapped into. That's great. Period. That's great. I think that was a mic drop. Was it? Yeah. Or a Carmex drop. I'm not a fan of Carmex. Why? Because it has like this, it's this waxy, this waxy yes, vibe to it. It does. I don't really like that. Because my lips like, feel great. Like I will great. not preach with Carmex because I'm just afraid that I'm going to have like My lips feel great for the first five minutes when I wear Carmex. And then it feel like somebody it does. melted a candle It on feels my, like on you lips. dipped your mouth in the Glade candle. Right. Yeah. So why do you buy them? Because I only have this because you have it. 
I don't know. I think it's my mama. She always have a whole bunch of Carmex. <laughs> you just said you don't like them and you always buy them. I like them, but I don't. Okay. Bye, y'all. Peace. With the Perrys is produced by the Perrys with support from Amanda Reed and Channing B. McBride. Editing by Xavier Fairley. Video recording and audio production by Kim Powell. Artwork by Hop. And music by Swoop. If you'd like to support the Perrys, you can visit the link in the show notes. This is With the Perrys. Thank you for listening. Now go with God. 